3: Welcome in, it's the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. It's brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We
4: are Farmers.
3: So I hate to say I told you so, that's actually not true. Is there anything better in the world than saying I told you so? Well... Actually, kind of the best thing in the world was when somebody says, like, Gottlieb told you so, and you go like, yeah, I might have, but it is my show, so I will do the self-pat. Since many of you call me out, or old takes exposed will call me out, when I get something wrong, what about when I get something right? Um, look, I here's what I do in having sports discussions. I, I use... Um, A a, a kind of historical database in my brain, logic and connections within the sports in which I'm talking about. You know, I know people in all the different uh, uh, entities and and different sports and baseball, basketball, football, college, pro level. Talk to those people and then just kind of use common sense. And so yesterday when I told you that all of this, um, I love this word, palaver. Ooh, ooh, that's a good word. That's a palaver is a good word. And and by the way, uh, palaver is a word that I have borrowed. It's not it's not David Stern's word, but David Stern was the first one I have ever heard to use the word palaver. Um, all of this palaver about, well, you know, Zion Williamson could just go back to Duke or could sit and work out for a year and stay away from New Orleans. One, it did speak to. um what most people think or feel in the NBA and that New Orleans is a tough putt. You know, it's just, it's hard. It's not a basketball town per se. It's a small market and everything has to go really, really, really right for them in order for them to be successful. And even then, you know, even with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, even then, and of course they've had injuries and, you know, Drew's wife was sick. At the start of one year. I think I was last year and, You know, Anthony Davis himself has been hurt. Even then, it doesn't mean you're still going to win because other teams can just, in fact, be better. But it's a tough putt. So I I understand the Zion should not go to New Orleans because it doesn't afford him all of the things that, that New York might afford him. It is interesting that New Orleans has been as or more successful than the Knicks over the past five years. But regardless of that, and, oh, yeah, there's this one other point. Do you remember the day of the day of the lottery and leading up to the lottery? There was a, there was a, a lot of discussion. If you landed Zion Williamson, would you trade that pick anyway? I, I love this. Like, we're in this space where Zion should not play because he's not going to New York. Hey, bud, if he went to New York, there was a chance that they were going to trade him anyway. <laughs> anyway, so the discussion or maybe dissertation that I gave you yesterday was he ain't going anywhere. Zion makes the number one overall pick makes 9 million and change. Plus he's going to make, you know, 10 to 15 million upfront from a deal that he signs with Nike or with Under Armor or with Adidas, whomever he signs with. And so this kind of discussion about where he should go and what he should do it's it's a non-discussion. You're not going to turn down 30 million dollars to be the number one overall pick because you don't like the destination of New Orleans, especially when you're a kid from the South. Like it's not like he's from Canada and we're like, "Dude, you got to go to New Orleans." It's not like he's a kid from LA who had thoughts of going to the Lakers or a kid from New York. Like he's from South Carolina. He actually probably would have preferred Atlanta. Or maybe Charlotte ahead of ahead of New Orleans. But the idea of New York sounded like a big thing. But even New York wasn't necessarily as into him in a basketball sense. Totally into the personality, into what he potentially could be, but more into what Anthony Davis might be as a basketball player. Regardless, my point yesterday, and uh, I hate to say I told you so. Actually, I don't hate to t- say I told you so was that Zion's not turning down $30 million to not play for a year or to go to Duke and play against, you know, inferior competition, run the risk of injury, run the risk of being selected by a, a, in an even, even worse team or even worse city in terms of fit in the future, right? Like, Plus, more than anything, just from an economic sense, that's $30 million you're not going to make up. You can make a lot of money, but you're not going to make $30 million up in a year in which you choose not to be a professional when you can. Here's Zion's stepfather on 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge.
4: We we're excited about
5: that. One thing that Zion has always been taught, you accept the things that you can't change. You change the things that you can change. And this is one of the things that he had nothing to do with is
6: the process of the NBA and Certainly, you know, we're excited about the Crescent City
5: down there in New Orleans. And you said about returning to Duke. You know, there has been a lot of speculation, but that is not nothing that we have even considered.
3: I hate to say I told you so is a total BS thing. Just like this BS thing about Zion Williamson shouldn't or won't show up in New Orleans if he's drafted number one overall. This also reminds me. Remember when I told you. This is after, not this last Super Bowl, the previous Super Bowl. Um, n- not just, what I, what I told you after the Belichick-Brady supposed rift was, and I think it proved to be true, was, I don't think, I know it proved to be true. There was this sense, because there was the ESPN report, that Brady had a tug-of-war with when he was going to retire and what he was going to do with Bill Belichick. My point when they didn't play Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl was, he might have lost that battle. He might have lost that battle. Now, we forget that Malcolm Butler wasn't good that year. we completely forgotten that Malcolm Butler wasn't healthy leading up into the Super Bowl. We also forget that Malcolm Butler not only wasn't healthy, but he actually checked himself into a hospital instead of going to see. He never saw team doctors. He simply went and checked himself into a hospital to find out what was wrong instead of going to the actual team doctors and didn't fly on the team plane. We we just, we just forgot all of those facts because facts sometimes get in the way of a really good story. And because Tom Brady liked something Malcolm Butler posted when he left town for Tennessee and because he got a ridiculous contract with the Tennessee Titans, this was somehow a win for Malcolm Butler and a loss for Bill Belichick. My thought at the time was... This is why Belichick's been able to sustain his team's greatness because he's willing to sacrifice a guy or two, maybe even a talented guy or two, for the betterment of the team. If you can't make practice leading up into the Super Bowl, well, then you shouldn't play in the Super Bowl. If you're not playing at an optimum level, we're not going to play you. And even if your best is better than somebody else's best, we don't know if we can count on you. So we'll move on. And guess what happened with the Patriots this year? I mean, look, you know how it ended with the Patriots this year. They didn't just win the Super Bowl. They held the Rams without a touchdown. Right. And it was a it was a team full of what we're told was, you know, they didn't have a lot of playmakers defensively. That was always the issue. Didn't have, we don't have playmakers, so they can't make plays. Yes, they can if they play as a team, if they completely buy in to what the coaching staff wanted to do. And they did. And they made up for their weaknesses athletically, collectively. And just like that story was overblown and people wanted to take it and run with it and say, this was the beginning of the end of Brady and Belichick because Brady was pissed that Malcolm Butler didn't play. That wasn't the case. This has always been the way that Belichick rolled. I will coach my team. I will put the guys I think had the best chance to win the game. And no, they didn't stop the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And Patrick Chung got exposed playing cornerback when he's really a safety. They played three safeties. But you know what? They fixed it this year, and they won a Super Bowl. And they've been to eight Super Bowls because he's willing to sit, guys. My point more is like, let's use logic in an argument. In this world of hot takes, it's not a hot take to say that Zion Williamson would be dumb to leave $30 million on the table. It's just call a couple people, think about it rationally, understand the kid, understand the story. Just like it's not a hot take to think Brady and Belichick will be fine. They just need to continue to get better, continue to stay, keep Brady healthy. They need to get better wide receiving talent. They tried and still weren't really able to overcome uh, all the different, different guys they ran through. And so they became a power running football team this year. I don't hate to say I told you so. I told you Zion was going to show up in New Orleans. His stepfather said as much. I don't hate to say I told you so. I told you Brady and Belichick would be fine. And they, in fact, were. Do I miss? Yeah, I miss. But not this time.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
6: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is...
5: at farmers insurance we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing
4: and a less than perfect one seen it covered it talk to farmers we are farmers bum, 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 bum.
2: underwritten my farmers truck fire insurance Exchange and affiliates products not available in every state
4: Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox Sports Radio, here's Doug Gottlieb.
3: Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, so we still haven't we haven't really discussed it yet. Uh, Dan Byer upcoming with a sports update. Update. Wait to hear what Tiger and Brooks Kepka did at the PGA today. Um, we haven't discussed last night where Toronto Raptors had a lead in the third quarter only to get boat raced by the Milwaukee Bucks. We actually have basketball games to talk about. We had a game tonight, Game Two, Portland versus Golden State. And uh, what went wrong in Game 1? Will we see Kevin Durant Game 2? Plus, we have the draft lottery. We got the Lakers making a coaching hire and getting the fourth pick. We have the Knicks not getting Zion. We got a lot of things to get to. Let's let's dig in with uh, Sam Amick from The Athletic, covering the NBA, longtime NBA insider. L- let, let's start with last night. I, I would make the uh, assessment. Look, this is it was a loss for the, the Lakers. Obviously, Brooke Lopez was their center, and they needed a stretch five. And, uh, he showed just what what a big presence he he has been for this team, but it still feels like both game ones were kind of the same story, Sam. Where Portland never had any gas in the tank. Game seven on the road comes down to the stretch. Same thing really with Toronto. They had more they had more juice, but just ran out of gas. How much do you think last night was about fatigue more than about the Bucks being that much better?
5: Doug, I mean, it's funny. I hate to split the difference. I feel like you're talking about both. You know what I mean? You're talking about Kawhi Leonard struggling in that fourth quarter in the kind of way that makes it to me impossible to think that that wasn't fatigue related. But then we also have got to give the Bucks their just due. When you've got a defense that is, you know, literally designed to do what what makes life tough on guys like Kawhi, which is to block everything at the rim and to, you know, and and guard the three point line give you everything in between, and I heard a, a number earlier today that I think the, uh, the Raptors, you know, ended up taking about 22% of their shots at the rim, something in that territory. They just make life tough on you, and especially when, if you're fatigued, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be trying to find those easy open looks after the, the dramatic game seven they were coming off of. So I think it's both, but that Bucs defense has been doing it all year long, and, and they did it again in game one.
3: Yep. I mean, look, when you're the best defense statistically in the NBA and you live up to those stats, especially when it matters most, it was really, really impressive. Let's go to Portland and Golden State. Um, I didn't think they had gas in the tank to win that game anyway. But the way in which they were guarding uh, Steph Curry coming off of a ball screen, obviously on Twitter, other NBA guys, everybody's reacting like, Wait, why are you sinking back? There's There are other ways to, to guard it. And Terry Stotts had a great retort. He was like, "Look, they they trapped him in Houston. He had 33 in the second half." Um, but I was I was surprised that some of the Trailblazers, like Mo Harkless, spoke out kind of against the the game plan. Um right. Like, what 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 are your thoughts on how you know if Terry Stotts? You know, this thing could spiral out of control a little bit in an, in an effort to kind of appease his players. What's your reaction to the reaction to his game plan from game one?
5: So it was super interesting because I'm not around the Blazers so much that, um, that, I, that I'm like a media member who they're going to confide in, right? Like I know a few of their guys reasonably well. But uh, for me to walk into that locker room, not spend a ton of time, and walk out a few minutes later having talked to no fewer than four different players, you know, and essentially i call it on background, where I wasn't sitting there quoting these guys, but just trying to get a sense of, you know, to read the room. And have four players, you know, and, and I was bad in a thousand. I tried four players, and four were pretty candid about the frustration with the approach. And it, it struck me because they've had such a joy ride with this playoff run, and I've always heard nothing but wonderful things about the connection between Terry and his players. And I'm not for a second trying to say that that doesn't remain, but the frustration was at such a high level that they were not afraid to just flat out say we don't think we should have taken this approach. It's funny I, I talked earlier today to uh I don't know if you remember former uh king and NBA player Dante Green on on a different show about how to him he said this feels like something where Terry's players must have told him in advance they thought it was a bad idea and then it was a I told you so type of moment post game. Uh, the elephant in the room though also is that they, they and can't forget anybody. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, that's
3: like, that's where that's the that, that's Terry's the that, yeah, like that's that's the part that like a lot of these guys aren't willing to admit. Like, hey, there's yeah. a reason Nurkic is their starting center, not Ennis Kanter, yeah. and right. it's because Ennis Kanter he struggles to guard big guys, but he really struggles to guy, gu- guard, guard guards in space, and he's not really a rim protector either. And so it's kind of like you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right?
5: Here, yeah, here's the irony. Our Anthony Slater, the Warriors beat writer, who asked carry that question in the press conference and who kind of got his head bitten off is the same Anthony Slater who wrote a series preview that included a subheadline that said, can Ennis Cantor survive? And it had a video clip of times in which the Blazers had trapped the Warriors with Ennis Cantor. And it was all these lowlights of Steph getting into the lane and just, you know, having Ennis skates. So there, it is a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario you know they i think the more important thing is that the players were taking up for damien in particular i don't think they're comfortable with the idea that he's expected to fight through three four five screens and and play that type of way while also carrying things on the offensive end um the other elephant in the room collectively is just listen they are not as good as the warriors and i think they saw right away that they're in serious trouble right out the gate
3: yeah no i, I mean i and and uh and it's interesting because I, I get I get that Damien Lillard feels like he's been underrated. I, I would push back against that. Like I don't. The guy's got his own shoe, he's got, he got his own franchise, he's an he's an all star, he's just not as good as Steph Curry, and if you don't believe me, watch the two of those guys
5: play. Yeah, I mean that's a tr- to me there's nuance there. Cause I, I mean, certainly between the two, I think Steph's a better player. Uh, but, you know, Damien would certainly immediately counter with the idea that, that his load is so much bigger. And we saw Steph at his peak before Kevin came to town, you know, what he could do when he had a more honest plate. But then even at that point, you know, you remember the discussion uh, instead of being about Kevin Durant, the discussion was all about how Clay Thompson was the perfect backcourt mate. And, and so there's that aspect of it, too. You know, the thing I love about Damien, even I don't want to even have the, in a vacuum discussion about who's the better player, you know where those two guys are the same, and I, and I love this because I wish more players were like this, is the way they're wired, and he's a pretty selfless dude, and like, I don't think C.J. McCollum would have improved as much as he has in that environment if Damian hadn't been willing to share the spotlight, to not be the alpha male every single night. And Steph is the same way. I mean, for crying out loud, Steph looked at Kevin Durant's agent dead in the eye during the, the Hamptons visit and said, yes, I want to come share the spotlight with him and you know, there's a collective ripple effect that has helped both their programs. And, and I love what both those dudes are about. But uh, but again, if you, you could just go back to this matchup. I mean, the Blazers are in trouble.
3: I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I thought it was nonsense, the idea that Zion Williamson would go back to Duke or train for a year. His stepdad has said, uh, like, it's not even being considered. They, they, they can't wait. Why do you think there was a little bit of that reaction from the media?
5: Because of the market and because of the organization, you know, the Pelicans. um, Listen, Anthony Davis is a tremendous basketball player. And even, you know, with his transcendent talent, he could not inspire the locals to show up every night in terms of fans and in terms of attendance and TV ratings. Now, they have pretty good local TV ratings, but the attendance is constantly in the bottom of the league. And the, uh, the good old-fashioned economics and the business side
8: is, my
5: understanding, very, you know, consistently brutal. And so that's why if you're a young prospect like Zion, you'd be worried about going into a market like that. to their credit, you know, they, they kind of squash that storyline pretty quickly.
3: Sam Amick joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. So how does this affect Anthony Davis?
5: So he still wants out, which has been widely reported, and, and I had confirmed with his camp. Um, you know, they – they I don't know where he's going. I don't know if it's Lakers, Knicks, Lawson, whoever's going to, you know, end up winning these sweepstakes. But uh, it does not appear that getting Zion was enough to make him feel better about the situation. Uh, I would have to assume that it's partly the market stuff that we talked about. It's also, like, the personal history. It, it just feels like one of those marriages that, you know, that even if there was a little – kind of late in the marriage uh, spark and flare-ups where, where you think about staying together, it's just too much damage has been done. And AD clearly wants something different and, you know, most likely something in a, in a bigger market. So, you know, that part hasn't changed. And the element that is different certainly is Dave Griffin being the Pelicans GM and the fact that, for one, he brings a credibility to the position that wasn't there before. Dill Dempsey had, had a tough run. He's had a good career, but that was a tough stretch for him in new orleans and then you have a personal relationship between dave and rich paul ad's agent because rich obviously represents lebron as well so i think the kind of the decorum and the respect level within this dynamic is going to be better than before but the end result in terms of anthony changing jerseys is going to be the same
3: uh okay so uh what about the lakers now they got the fourth pick which is a surprise that is moving up and we haven't discussed anything since the the coaching change, or, or the you know, or Frank Vogel was hired, and Jason Kidd is an assistant. What's the sense around the league of of how the Lakers proceed?
5: So you know they've got to feel great about moving up. Certainly, I, I, if they were feeling greedy, then they I'm sure they wish they would have kind of nudged ahead of the Knicks in the lottery. Because to me, that's their greatest competition for AD. And I think that you know the variance between the third pick and the fourth pick is just enough that maybe it it puts the Knicks in an okay position when it comes to, you know, an an overall package for AD, but they're going to make their push. And then it comes down to whether or not Dave Griffin likes the Lakers young core better uh, or the Knicks. And, and I think it, you know, if I was a Laker fan trying to look for positives, you, you, you know, having Zion in new Orleans, I think is definitely a positive because if you're Dave Griffin, you now can feel a lot more confident about going out and getting a young core that you're going to package here or pair with Zion and then really have something to sell to your fans who are already excited about getting the number one pick to begin with. Um, So, again, I think it just comes down to whoever can read Griff's mind and find out what he thinks of, you know, the next collection of picks and prospects compared to the Lakers. And and the Boston thing, to me, is a whole different conversation because, you know, my understanding had always been that their confidence and really putting a lot on the table for AD – was definitely tied to their, uh, you know, feeling that they could hold on to Kyrie Irving, and now that that is certainly not, you know, a, a certainty at all, uh, I think they're going to be real reluctant to put guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the table.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. So Kyrie goes where?
5: It's funny. I, I'm almost I feel like I'm having fun with this. I'm not sure to what degree I believe it, but I, I just the Lakers thing is just fascinating to me. Like I. You know the idea of Kyrie and LeBron being back together. People close to Kyrie will laugh and say, "No way." Uh, we we know they had their little reunion, you know, halfway through the year, or kind of their 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 rehabilitation, I guess, of their relationship. Where Kyrie had said so many glowing things about LeBron, and and then they had been in touch, and you know that was a you know just a story that none of us saw coming midseason. Does that get them to the point where they look at each other and say, "Hey, things haven't gone the way that either one of us thought." They would, uh, you know, maybe. I, I don't know what odds percentage I would put on it, but that one's interesting because the next thing to me is just I don't know how to handicap that because I think Kyrie knows that he needs help in New York, and right now I'm probably not, you know, I, I for the moment, I don't think I'm handicapping Kevin Durant going to New York. Where, where, uh, why? Why? Kevin Durant would stay. I don't know. Uh, there's a tiny bit of optimism with the Warriors, and I wrote that recently. Uh, the vibe's really good between him and his teammates. The, in the Bay Area, where, as you know, I'm I'm not in the Bay, but I'm just up the road, and I, I you know I'm listening to their local media stuff all the time. He's getting more love right now from the Bay Area fans than ever. In fact, when Steph struggled in the last series early on, uh, Steph was getting crushed more by the locals than I can ever remember. And that juxtaposition is it sounds kind of dysfunctional, but that's exactly the kind of thing that I think could compel Kevin to say, "All right, you know, you guys actually love me and appreciate how great I am." And, and Steph's, you know, Steph doesn't always walk on water. That's, that's the personal dynamic that, you know, who knows, maybe leads Kevin to stay. Uh, I also think that we are still sleeping on the Clippers a little bit as a possible Kevin destination. Uh, There's, there's smoke there in terms of, you know, not only the success they had this year, but some of the relationship stuff there. And most importantly that uh, we always kind of overlook Steve Ballmer being far and away the richest owner in the league and a guy with, a lot of background in tech which is uh, which is Kevin's thing these days
3: hmm fascinating fascinating stuff last thing John line, Cleveland Cavaliers head coach what's the league's reaction
5: um you know I think like a thumbs up but with question marks because you just have obvious we keep using that phrase elephant in the room it's you know with him it's the age and then it's you know the, the latest NCAA you know got to make that jump and we've seen success stories I think Billy Donovan has made that a little easier for guys because Billy has had a good run. It's not the run that Sam Presby has wanted, but it's not you know you can't look at Billy Donovan's NBA career and say that you know any of it had to do with the NCAA. Sorry, Doug, the translation just failed. Okay. But you know, widely known to be a very very good coach with a ton of respect.
3: Yeah, fascinating stuff. All right, man, well listen, uh, get ready for the game. I appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to talking with you as the playoffs roll on. Thanks so much, Sam. You got it. Thank you, Doug. Sam Amick from The Athletic joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Patrick Peterson.
3: This is it. We've got
6: an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
1: <sighs>
6: is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is.
2: Terms and conditions apply.
3: Is a perennial pro bowler. And remember, last year, early in the season, he had to be talked off of the ledge because he didn't want to be in Arizona anymore. They were so bad, he was like, I'm out. And then he had a conversation with ownership. I think his deal got redone. And he was back in. Well, he got popped for PEDs. And um, he got popped for PEDs. And he's suspended for the first six games this year. Six. So, uh, I look at the story and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I know the Jets appear to be dysfunctional. I love Sam Darnold. I love their first pick this year. I love their first pick last year. I love the first pick previously. But they still don't have a center. They still don't have a good wide receiving core. And now all of a sudden, Adam Gase who I believe has a below 500 record has complete and autonomous power. All right. There's a lot of risk there, but let's look at the Arizona Cardinals. Steve Kimes, their general manager Um, over the past, uh, over the past 12 months, he has hired a coach and fired that coach. He has gone through, well, he's now in his third offensive coordinator. He has uh, served, Time for an NFL suspension for a DUI. He's um, been the architect of what was the worst team in football last year, and it wasn't particularly close. He drafted a quarterback. He traded up, drafted a quarterback at the number 10 spot. This after signing Sam Bradford and signing Mike Glennon to a combined, I think it was like $23.5, $24 million between the two contracts. Then he drafted Josh Rosen, started Josh Rosen, and then traded Josh Rosen for a late second-round pick. And drafted Kyler Murray, all while hiring Cliff Kingsbury to be the head coach. Not only has Cliff Kingsbury never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, he has never coached in the NFL, and he just got fired from his own alma mater as head coach. Oh, and of the players you have on your roster that you could pick out of a lineup that you could depend on year after year after year to be at at or above the level of a quality player in the National Football League one of them just got suspended for the first 6 games of the year outside of that mrs mrs lincoln how is the show like do you mean to tell me this is going to work kyler murray who's 5 foot 10 at quarterback In a a system, an air raid, which has never consistently been used, likely because over a long term it will not work, with a patchwork offensive line, a quarterback who runs, and a quarterback who, though he can throw, will at times have trouble seeing some of these throws. I mean, dude, check, please. Check, please. I can't think of... We've talked a lot about process, right? Like, I don't think Frank Vogel is a bad coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a well-respected coach. And they may end up with, you know, they still have the number four pick in the draft. They got forty million dollars in cap space. They got LeBron James to be healthy. And they got some good young players. They still may be fine. Their process is a bit is screwed up. UCLA's basketball coach Mick Cronin. The process of hiring him and some of the things that he's done early on. The process is screwed up. But this is, I mean, this is, they make those look like well-oiled machines. Like if I went through blow by blow, it wasn't just that you fired your offensive coordinator midway through the year. You hired Byron Leftwich or elevated Byron Leftwich who'd never called plays in the NFL. And then you go out and you get Cliff Kingsbury who was an offensive coordinator at USC for like two weeks. Like the whole thing. Oh my goodness. Now, part of that, part of that plays into something that your old pal Gottlieb always tells you, which is, hey, if not for poorly run organizations, you couldn't say an organization is well run, right? Like, it's not just the Patriots. I think the Chargers are really well run. Um, I look around and I think that, you know, there's some ego there, but I think the, the Eagles are pretty well run. Like, they have a pretty good plan. Some of these teams that are starting to be consistent winners and are built like they have coach, general manager, president, guys kind of in the same vision, kind of in line. But if not for the really bad ones, the really good ones wouldn't be considered really good. They'd be considered average because everybody's about the same. And they're not. They're just not. They may be, this is, a, this is an expression I give you, they may be uh, in a, they're, they may, may, may look the same and feel the same, but they're not just in a different neighborhood. They're in a different universe or a different part of town. This is like comparing comps and going like, well, you know, both houses are 4,000 feet. Both houses have lots that are 25,000 feet. Both houses have four bedrooms and a bath and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. Who built one and who built the other? What part of town is one in? Where in the street is it located? Like all of these different little things matter. One football team, it's just not as simple as, well, who's your quarterback and, you know, who's your wide receiver? Just not that easy. And then you factor in Patrick Peterson, who you begged to stay last year, and he gets popped for PEDs. Oy vey. Oy vey. You know? Just, it's one of those things where you're just sitting there going like, dude. What are we doing? How are we doing this? So that 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 Arizona has a chance. You, you almost feel like if you're Josh Rosen, you're doing the fist pump. Don't you know that I didn't even have a chance? And if you're Kyler Murray, you're like, does Kyler Murray really have a chance in this thing? Maybe, maybe he's just that good. Maybe he's just that special. But this is the opposite of, of Oklahoma. Right? Because look, when you come into Oklahoma, he had Hollywood Brown as a wide receiver. He had but he had NFL caliber offensive linemen. He had for college football an elite play caller. And believe it or not, having the poorest defense, poor defense, actually helped Kyler Murray. You're gonna get the ball more often. Yeah, there's gonna be pressure on you to score, but you're in the Big 12. Not great defenses. Everything's spread out, wide open. You got ballers all over that can make plays. And if you don't do well, like, look, against Texas, they were down three touchdowns, and he put them right back in the game. Part of that is how good he is, but part of it is you know you're going to get the ball back and get plenty of possessions, so you can screw up early on. It's not the way it works in the NFL. Now he's walking into a franchise that doesn't have a good offensive line, doesn't have a good culture, doesn't have a head coach that... That has any sort of equity within the league, and I guess the only good news over Patrick Peterson getting popped for PEDs is, well, maybe now you'll get the ball back more. But it's hard to play catch up in the NFL. It'll it may inflate your stats. It may inflate your stats, but it could also, um, it, it could also go so horribly wrong. I know the story should be about Patrick Peterson, and on some level, shouldn't we have conversations about, you know, do we keep guys out of the Hall of Fame? Antonio Gates, he got popped for PEDs, and Patrick Peterson gets popped for uh, a PED. But instead, I I just want to point out, what kind of mess are the Arizona Cardinals? Yikes.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
8: If you dare.
2: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be president Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: You're going to download one NFL podcast. I'll give you a good one. It's called the GM Shuffle. It's Michael Lombardi and Adnan Verk Of course, uh, Michael joins us every week. He's also the author of Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. It's on sale now. Obviously, I want to get with you about uh, the Jets or the the J-E-T-S mess, mess, mess in a moment. But let me ask you about the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I just, in likelihood of success, considering Steve Keim and the decisions that he made going into last year, of course, he also had the, his own suspension for DUI. And then now he loses Patrick Peterson to a PED suspension. Like, I, I just, I get I get the Kyler Murray thing might work, but you got an unproven head coach, an unproven NFL offense, a diminutive co- uh, quarterback, an offensive line that couldn't protect anybody last year, and a style that doesn't necessarily protect the quarterback. And now you're losing one of your best playmakers on the defensive side of the ball for the first six games. How likely are they to be successful at all this year?
6: Oh, I think it's going to be challenging. I mean, really, when you go into the offseason and you know that, you know, they signed Robert Alford this offseason as a a free agent when Atlanta released him. But, I mean, their corner situation, you know, has been nebulous since they've tried to, you know, make it work out. They drafted Williams from Texas A&M in the third round. Kind of was a reach three years ago. People thought he was going to come in and be the starter. They've got Tremaine Brock on the roster. But at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be challenging with no real – You know, Taylor Jones is a dominating rusher coming off the edge. He's had over 15 sacks. But, I mean, they needed somebody inside. A lot of pressure is going to be on Vance Joseph. And then how long can they control the football? Can they play complementary football with their offense? I mean, that's going to be the question. Everybody talks about, well, the Texas Tech offense scores, and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury could put points on the board. Well, Lincoln Riley's offense scores, but do they play complementary football? I think we learned that with the Chiefs in in the playoff game against the Patriots. It's one thing to score. But you've got to play complementary to your defense.
3: Yeah, um, uh, it's it's going to be challenging is a great a great way to put it. Uh, okay, what about the Jets? I know you you were out smoking a long time ago. About the fact, you just didn't think it made sense for Mike Mcagnin, who cut his teeth as a college scout, to suddenly be elevated to being the general manager. I guess I'm more more interested in the timing of it. How, how is how three weeks after the draft, after you already let a guy sign players in free agency, how why why now would they make this move?
6: Well, I, I think originally, I think Chris Johnson really doesn't, you know, most of these owners don't understand what goes on. They have to be told what's happening in their own organization. They don't have enough awareness to see it. They really should have an outside consultant come in and let them know. I mean, I, I live about two and a half hours south of Forum Park, and I could have told them, seven months ago that they should have made the change. I mean, look, just look at their football team. When you break down a football team, because we are in the veterinarian business, the patient never speaks to us, right? So we have to find ways to diagnose the team. Players, coaches, schemes, those three areas. The Jets were bad with players, really bad. Their schemes last year weren't very effective, especially offensively, and their coaching offensively was atrocious. I mean, I think Todd Bowles was a true stand-up guy. He never complained about McKagan, even though McKagan was drafting wide receivers, never drafted an offensive lineman in the first four rounds, his first four years there, and he wonders why his line isn't very good. So for me it was never about, you know, Mike's not a bad Mike's not a bad person. Mike's just not a guy who's ever been equipped to build a team. There's a difference between scouting and building a football team. And I think after four years, it was pretty clear that Brian Heimendinger, the assistant GM, and Mike, Mike also knew that they weren't building a team. And I think the owners takes a long time, but give him credit, he finally saw the light. People blame Gase. Look, this was the right decision. You can blame whoever you want, but the Jets have only won 28 games the last five years. The Patriots have won 74. That means they've lapped the field three times.
3: It's crazy. Um, what about the trade yesterday? Is that is is that an, I'm the captain now? Uh, the, just Adam Gase in charge for one day? It happens to trade away a former first round pick of the old guy. Like that that feels like a uh, a guy who's uh, who's pointing out that he's in charge.
6: Well, no, I think he's pointing out that Darren Lee's not a good player. I think he pour, for trade a first-round pick for a sixth-round sixth pick, you're basically saying the guy doesn't have a lot of value. And I think that if Todd Bowles had the right to trade, he would have traded Darren Lee last year. I mean, they all – Darren Lee has not been a very effective player. It goes back to – you know, I wrote about this in Gridiron Iron Genius. Look, I think Jamal Adams is a fabulous player. I think he's really a good player. But if you have any awareness about what's going on in the NFL a safety. A hard-hitting safety who attacks the middle of the field, who punishes running backs, they're trying to do away with that, right? They're trying to do—so you've just spent a sixth overall pick for a position that you can't maximize the effectiveness that the player brings to the table. It's very challenging. You know, Ronnie Lott would struggle as great as Ronnie Lott was when he played football back in the 80s. He would struggle trying to modify his game to the rules today in terms of player safety. You picked a guy' six pick overall to do that. you're really not being aware of what's going on. And then you look at Darren Lee's production in terms of what he's given you: a linebacker that really can't attack the pocket, a linebacker that's not a man-to-man cover guy who doesn't play effectively on the third level and isn't a great blitzer, you know that, doesn't, that's, that tells me you really don't understand what's going on with the pro game.
3: Um, Scott Pioli, you know, look, you work for Bill Belichick. Uh, Scott Pioli used to work for Bill Belichick. He got a chance to run the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, he just resigned as the assistant general manager to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, c- considering the Falcons kind of revamped themselves a couple years ago before they made the Super Bowl, are you surprised by this?
6: No. I mean, Scott's been, it's been rumored the last couple years that Scott was thinking about leaving and thinking about maybe trying to pursue some other things. So, no. I'm not surprised at all by it. I think it's, you know, you get to a situation in the NFL, which is something that I've gotten to in my career, where you feel like you can't really run the team, you can't really have the authority to do it. What do you really want to do? You're better off going and trying to find a second career, write a book, do something else, and you'll find it more rewarding. You know, I think so often, you know, we get caught up in the moment of, i got to be working for a team. Well, you know, you limit yourself, you limit your earning power, you limit your ability to be curious, you limit your knowledge, because you become in this hole where there's so many facets to running an NFL team. There's so many people you have to get on the same page. It is very challenging. And if it's not set up from an ownership standpoint really well, it can be very frustrating.
3: Yeah, I I, I hear you. Odell Beckham Jr. showed up Ah, for OTAs for one day, one day. That's nice
6: of him. Well, that's well. I mean, he wants to be a Patriot type player, so that's typically what most Patriot players do too.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess my question <laughs> is: joking, they, I, I, I know, you, I know you are. I know you are, and I, I, I know, I know the hypocrisy in everything he said. I'm, I'm about the team. Like if you're about the team, why don't you cover the football when you're in the hands team and you have one job? If you're about the team, then you should, especially to new team, you should show up at OTAs and and develop a relationship with your teammates and with your quarterback. How sh- how should Cleveland handle this?
6: Well, look, Dorsey Dorsey has always been of the belief that, you know, character doesn't matter. I mean, he's, he's done it by all the players he's drafted with questionable character. I mean, even Greedy Williams this year in the draft. You know, there's people at LSU that were very down on his behavior, his performance but that didn't deter John. John's made a career out of drafting guys that live on the edge, so this doesn't surprise me. I mean, look, I think what we should do as fans is we should stop listening to what players say and watch their actions. For example, Odell's talking about being the Patriots, he leaves. Look, why would you listen to anything else he says? Let's take Joel Embiid, he's crying after game seven. Well, if it meant that much to Joel Embiid, why wasn't he in great shape? Right. If it meant that much to him, why wasn't he in great shape? So instead of reacting to the action, ask the further question it's called false duality instead of thinking it's always a or b look for some other answers and i think that's really what we should do that's the lesson that we should learn from odell beckham
3: well i think it's also maybe not maybe it's not react to the action react to the words react to the action not to the words right It's that uh, that's Correct. that's really what it, what, it, what it comes down to i mean i completely agree with you with, with on 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 both accounts um let's go back to the jets uh, how hard is that going to be to manage Le'Veon Bell, who, uh, you know, the, the one guy who had got out, Gase didn't want, was Le'Veon Bell, and now he's, he's a talented running back, he's under contract, he's also no showing for OTAs, like, how do you handle that going forward?
6: Well, look, I think there's always three kind of people in an organization, and I think when you and the greatest culture builder in our lifetime is a guy by the name of Norman Dale from the movie Hoosiers. Right. And in that movie, he teaches you about culture. He basically just decides to not pay attention to Jimmy Chitwood and let him just do what he wants to do at his own pace and focus on the players that you can focus on. And that's really what Adam Gay should do. When When he shows up, when, when Bell shows up, treat him like any other guy. You know, don't go out of your way make him second team, whatever you want to do, make him earn it back, and then put him back in there and see how he handles the game. But, look, it's voluntary that you can't punish players for not being there because of the, the the rules and the collective bargaining agreement. But the reality here is what I think Gase was looking for, and I wrote about this in The Athletic, what Gase was looking for was somebody to help build a culture with him. You know, he wanted to be able to start. And if you're going to pay a guy to make him the highest-paid player, you want him to have – the same ideology and ethos that you believe in, and that's not the case with Bell.
3: Um, the Patriots are doing something they haven't done in a long time. One, uh, Bill Belichick's going to call the defensive plays, but two, they're bringing back guys that they previously parted ways with. Usually it's they, the guys guys go away from, the, from New England, and they're done a year later. Gerard Mayo uh, is back. So too is Jamie Collins back. Granted, it's been a couple years since both were wearing Patriots uniforms. What do you think of bringing back the former stars?
6: Well, I think Mayo, you know, he always wanted to be a coach, and I think that's a smart move for him. He'll learn how to be a coach from Bill. And Bill, you know, Bill's probably happier than he's ever been to be able to coach the defense and really get involved. It's something that I think as a coach you like to do, and he'll still manage the whole game. I think, look, Jamie Collins, you know, they brought him back on their terms. It wasn't on Jamie's terms. When guys leave, they do it on their terms. And so now that they come back, they're on Belichick's terms and he'll either play to the level that they need him to play at, or he won't be on the team. I think that's what everybody in the building realizes. Everybody understands and everybody moves forward in that direction.
3: Yeah, Joe Flacco has been pushing against this idea of mentoring, uh, <laughs> Drew Locke. Uh, and, and look Flacco, Flacco was probably better than Lamar Jackson than he had to be in the playoffs. And people were booing and booing Lamar, Lamar Jackson. But like, I understand that there's plenty of star quarterbacks that have not mentored you like look you you work for for Bill Walsh okay and the, the stories were that that Joe Montana didn't want to le- didn't want to teach um uh Steve anything right he he just didn't um right. but it's, not, to,
6: but it's to, not their but it's not their job it's not their job their job is to play it's the coach's job to mentor the player. play that's why we have coaches that's why quarterback coaches are making over a million dollars a year You know, it's their job to mentor the young guy. It's really, I I think it's unfair to ask Joe Flacco, you know, what to do. And all Flacco should do is do what he always does. And if it's a good example for him to follow, great. If it's not, then the coach has to make sure that he's, hey, look, that's not how we do things here. I think it's really wrong. I think, look, we're paying coaches a lot of money in the NFL. Offensive coordinators are making over $2 million. Quarterback coaches are making over a million. They're the ones who have to mentor the quarterback. That's his job. Joe's got all he can do to handle himself, let alone somebody
3: else. Mm. Outstanding stuff. Michael Lombardi, check out uh, uh, check out his podcast. It's called GM Shuffle with our good friend Adnan Burke. And, of course, his book is Gridiron Genius, a Master Class in Winning Championships and Building Dynasties in the NFL.
2: Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
7: Zumo Play.